Welcome to Africa on Focus, where we share our success stories. Africa, the continent, the young diaspora, entrepreneurs, influencers, change makers, and so much more. I'm Miss Abba, and this is Africa on Focus, the podcast. Hi, Dr. Sabine. Yes, Miss Abba. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. How how was your Sunday? My Sunday was good. I have to uh, say that I'm celebrating my daughter's eighth birthday, so this is great time. Oh, that is yeah. so good. Congratulations! I mean, the Dutch, the Dutch will congratulate you, her mom, yeah. and, uh, and the grandmother, the any anybody, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the neighbors, the cats, the dog, everybody. Yeah. And you know it's funny. This is the second time we meet, and I'm I'm always celebrating something. Right, last time we met, I was celebrating my adopted daughter Abigail's birthday. Yeah. And now it's it's Estelle's birthday. So I'm very blessed. I feel very blessed. How how is she? She's good. She's happy. Yeah. That is good. She's have you been the, able to, to like? Re- dog. Yeah. Right. And have you been able to like relax a bit for this? Uh, for this weekend because i know for doctors it's quite hectic it's uh okay so in the weekends this weekend i'm not doing any shifts i'll be doing some shifts uh in about a week and a half yeah uh, so this has been a, a pretty relaxed weekend yes i must say for sure and i want to bring out a shout out to every single doctor working in the first aid intensive care in any unit where this coronavirus is really uh taking its toll and yeah. I want to thank them for all they're doing, their efforts. And I also want to tell them to think about themselves, to, to yeah. do the rest that's needed. And uh, and they also need to put themselves first and their family but because it's, it can be quite stressful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know uh, we've had you on the show before and it was, it was you know, it was so good. Even Even I had to make sure the podcast came out already because it, uh, related to uh, you know African health and you being um, the founder, actually the mastermind behind Hello Doc, which is the the online platform for uh, people of a diverse cultural background, doctors pr- uh, preferably, and yeah. who like to. It's, it's basically like a sharing space, you know, for for health specialists. If I say that right. It's a, it's a space where um, doctors of diverse cultures can come together and offer their services and help people from those different cultural backgrounds to navigate through the healthcare system in the country that they live in. And I think yeah. especially a country like the Netherlands, where there's such a huge amount of internationals coming to the Netherlands at this time, yeah. we need to also understand that a lot of people don't understand the Dutch healthcare system. Yeah. So, um, and I think the doctors working on my plat on the platform that I I built, they understand the platform and the system very well, and they can help navigate uh, foreign students, expats yeah. coming into the Netherlands. So that's really good. So they are multilingual and multicultural, and that's what really stands out in this kind of platform. Sure. Love it, love it. Yeah. And just for those that might have not, uh, you know, know you before or know heard of you, could you share with us who is Dr. Fonderson and where's the doctor about? 
Well, okay. So first and foremost, I always say this: I am Sabine. I was never born Doctor Sabine. You know, <laughs> my my birth my you know my birth certificate just says Sabine Fonderson. Um, I was born uh, in Cameroon and I lived there until I was about five years old, and then moved to England and just moved around with my father. Um, I come from a uh, my, when I say my father, my parents and my brother and sister. I yeah. come from a very international background. So my grandfather used to be an ambassador for Cameroon. So his right. life gave diplomatic me diplomatic life. Diplomatic, yeah, and it gave me an opening to understanding what uh, life in outside your country of origin means. So I've been very blessed to be able to have worked and um, lived in very different uh, countries. So that's something that, that, so that's really my background, right? And the doctor part came when I was about, um, yeah, 16, 17, when I kind of was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I was talking to my mom about career options and we were just, you know, going back and forth. And I just, all I knew is that I wanted to travel. And then she said, well, you know, just, you know, do medicine. And I asked her, can you travel and be a doctor? And she said, sure. And I said, well, that's what I'm going to do. If I get to travel and help people, then I want to do that. So um ended up studying medicine in Leiden and yeah. graduated in 2006. And I've been a doctor since uh, 2006. So, yeah. Here you are. <laughs> Here I am, yeah. So if we talk about you being a doctor, could you, like, outline for those that don't know uh, medics or whatever, what specific doctor are you? Like, what can people run to you for? <laughs> well, first first and foremost, I'm a doctor that listens. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that other doctors don't. I, obviously, we all listen. But I, yeah. what I mean by that is that I really want to know, let people know that I'm very much engaged, uh, not only their medical uh, condition, but also yeah. in their, um, uh, yeah, the, the mental health, in their social health, everything. So I'm, I'm kind of like an all-around doctor. But if you look in the terms of speciality, um, I graduated in 2006 and then I ended up doing um, emergency medicine for many years. Mm-hmm. So I've like over seven, six, seven years experience in emergency medicine. Most yeah. of it was done in England and Scotland. And I even um, uh, got a second master's in pediatric emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I came back to the Netherlands in 2017 and I thought to myself, okay, what do I want to do? I know I want to work with children, uh, but yeah. I wasn't sure yet what I, where I wanted to go. And emergency medicine really took a toll on me also physically. I can imagine. Um, it was, yeah. Workload. And I have a lot of respect for my colleagues in that field. Um, but because I, I was a single mother, it was quite hard to combine the two. Um, so I had to make a decision. So I've now yeah. shifted into um, uh, research, I'm doing a PhD, and I'm also now training to be a general practitioner, which is where Hello Doc comes in really handy, and I'll tell more about it later on. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So you had really a good time to figure out uh, what you want to do, what suits you in terms of um, medication and the the health, the whole, because um, I know the body of human being has so many components and even in 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 doctor's world everybody is specialized in their bit so to become a gp is pretty much like a lot isn't it it is and i you know after coming out of the world of emergency medicine where you see really acute things you see people with life and death situation uh, switching yeah. to general practice is really quite quite different and i i kind of thought oh well if i've seen you know, people with heart attacks and, and uh, you know, and uh, brain trauma or head injuries or yeah. uh, strokes 
or severe, you know, I mean, things where you really need to act now is going to change somebody's life. And then switching to general practice, it was quite tough. And I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot more about communication. I'm learning a lot more about using the limited tools that GPs have in order to diagnose. And people underestimate uh, the the amount of work and thinking that a GP has to do because it's so different in, in the in the hospital setting where you have all these tools and equipment and personnel mm-hmm. you can really help the, we work as a team to diagnose right we work together but the GP setting is very much a solo practice you're alone and you have all but five little tools um, to kind of come up with these diagnosis. And what I mean by that, I, I'm talking about the blood pressure measurements. I'm talking about the oxygen saturation measurements, yeah. uh, the stethoscope. And if you're lucky, uh, you can do a, a urine uh, examination just to see whether or not somebody has a urine tract infection. Mm-hmm. And, and and you're limited. But with that, with those tools, you're quite powerful because you can do a lot knowing uh, how to listen and how to take patients uh, complaints and put them into the uh, into place. It's all about fitting that puzzle. Yeah. So um, GP world has really taught me a lot about that. What I mentioned in the beginning, I'm a doctor that listens. I've really lis- uh, learned to be a communicator and also yeah. a participator and let people communicate back to me what's going on. And that's what I think uh, is a strength also about HelloDoc. I can get that skill back into my team and we talk about these things every week we have meetups and we talk about okay what can we do better this week how can yeah. we serve our patients or our clients better and a yeah. lot of it has to do with like okay what kind of questions can we ask them to make sure that they give us the right information so that we can help them better yeah Wow. So um, let's talk about this crazy time that we're in COVID-19. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. Have you noticed any of this craziness in your working field? And um, how have you? Yeah. Um, so about, I think we've all, especially in the Netherlands, I think it's really hit us about three weeks ago. Um, yeah. I remember I, I'll, 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 I'll kind of, you know, give, give you a journey as how yeah. this thing uh, evolved. Um, yeah. So let's say that around the, uh, last week of February, when I, when I, you know, people started hearing things about this coronavirus and people getting sick in China, and yeah. it was in the news, and it was more like, oh, it's a Chinese thing, and you know, yeah. it will, it will die down, it will stay there, and um, I'll never forget that the first week of March, it was the second of March, yeah. and at that time, I was already quite, you know, apprehensive because mm-hmm. on the twelfth of March, I was supposed to present my research findings in at a conference in London and I'd already bought the ticket. I was supposed to travel. And I remember that on the 2nd of March, there was already, I think one or two cases in the Netherlands, but I was hearing about, you know, China, the cases were in, in the 20 or 30,000. Oh, well, I think at that time about 20,000. And I thought, yeah. well, if it's getting bad there and there's already two cases in the Netherlands and there was, I think about 10 in England, I was like, Hmm, what is going on with this uh, this coronavirus? Yeah. And on the 2nd of March was the first day that I was actually starting working in a GP setting. And I remember telling my colleague that, well, next week I'm supposed to travel to London. And I'm worried that if this thing goes the way I think it is, there might be a lockdown. And I was yeah. more afraid about coming back to the Netherlands because I had my daughter here. I have of my course. daughter here. And I thought if something happens and I can't come back to the Netherlands, that would really 
you know, that would destroy me physically yeah. and mentally. So she, and I remember that on the, on the Wednesday, which was the 4th of March, we, we talked about it. And I, and I said, you know, I, and I, I was just like, I don't think I can go to this, to London. It doesn't look good because by that time numbers were rising. Yeah. Um, and then by the, um, so with the fourth is a Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. By the 6th of March, I'm talking to my professor where I do my research and saying to him, I don't really feel comfortable going to London next week, Thursday, because of this rising, uh, Corona thing. Yeah. My main worries is that I won't be able to travel back. And he said, look, Sabine, we cannot force you to go. You've already bought your ticket, but we understand if you don't, if you can't go, we won't hold you back. So I said, well, I'm not going. (laughs) And I remember telling my colleagues, yeah, I, I remember telling my colleagues, I'm not going, you guys figure it out, but I know that I can't go there. And a week later on the Tuesday, uh, my professor sent out an email to all of us who were supposed to go saying that they've decided that nobody's going. We either go, all of us, or we don't go. Yeah. And uh, it was really a good decision because, I mean, after that, it's, just, it's kind of just ball, you know, snowballed in, into this huge thing. So when you look, when I look back at Corona, I think it was very serious. It was, and it is a serious thing. And I would want people to know how serious it is. And I hope mm-hmm. that you've got questions and I'm hoping that viewers are watching and they can ask questions because this is quite serious. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, on 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 for for us, you know, it it the seriousness of it, it it's quite slow. Especially yeah. you being a doctor, you. I mean, last time when we talked, um, you even shared that you know you had a meeting, and uh, you're probably getting news uh, four days ahead of us, uh, pretty yes. much. So. Yeah. Yeah, so you really emphasize how serious this virus is and people really have to make sure they stay at home. It's yeah. that important. So um, could you share a bit of how serious some of the uh, measures that governments ask us to take? Uh, how serious are these measurements or these measures? Sorry, yeah. co- point of correction. No. No, it's fine. I mean, okay. So if you look at the coronavirus, we don't know enough about it to, to for example, know okay what is the best treatment, but we do know enough to know how contagious it is, right? So I'm just going to put out a few pointers out there. Number one, coronavirus is uh, a, a virus that is spread out aerogenically, so that's by air, by droplets. So coming from your nose, whether you sneeze or cough. There's tiny little droplets where the virus actually survives. And that those virus particles can then spread in the air about a distance of about two meters, one and a half to two meters. And they can also deposit on certain surfaces like the table, wood, plastic. For some people are saying between seven hours to a little bit longer. Now, yeah. the most important thing is that if somebody has the virus, it's only pretty much contagious when somebody has fever and they're coughing the fever being that it 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 really tells us that the the virus is active in your body and your body is doing its best effort to fight it right yeah that's when the the virus is it's at its most contagious point and -hmm. at that stage it's highly um you can transfer the virus to somebody else especially if they're very close distance now typically somebody can still be asymptomatic and not have features of the virus and i'll talk about the symptoms later on but let's say you have the virus and your body's able to fight it off really fast and you don't have any symptoms you can still spread the virus but it's only going to be about 10 percent transmission right and typically 
one person who has an active virus is able to transmit to two or three other people and mm-hmm. those can transmit to two or three more other people and that's what makes coronavirus a little bit scary because it only takes one person to affect three and those can affect three more so the scale of it infecting more people is a lot higher and that's what i think that the the you know policies and health professionals and 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 uh, ministers are doing their best to let people know to keep their distance simply because of how contagious it can be um yeah. the other thing to take about seriously on this case is that this virus can have really bad um consequences especially for those who are in um in health let's say risk groups and what is the risk category those are the elderly huh? so anybody above the age of 70 can be a risk group anybody who has known lung disease heart disease diabetes or obesity and the reason being in all those risk groups your immune system is just not strong enough and you need mm. a good immune system to be able to fight off this virus full stop right right so does it mean that people that have a good immune system uh probably have fought it off without them realizing they have it and just thought maybe it's a flu let me make sure i'm warm enough i i do i drink this i do this and then it leaves and is is that possible or does it really is it really that uh aggressive well that's a good question so we know from studies that uh the majority of people who do con- uh, contract the virus they will not have severe symptoms right so i usually tell my clients or my patients this corona is like this you can have mild symptoms mild to severe severe or worst case scenario right mm-hmm. the worst case scenario is you being in an icu ventilated mild is you having a you know cold symptoms with a little bit of runny nose or sore throat uh mild to severe is a little bit fever coughing mm-hmm. is when you're coughing you're having fever and you're short of breath and mm-hmm. worst case scenario it's when you end up in icu right yeah so and the and the majority of people really typically have mild to moderate severe symptoms and then it just basically says your immune system is able to just fight this virus just like you would if you had a flu and mm-hmm. i think you've had the flu i've had the flu we know what the flu feels like it's awful you've got body aches for a couple of days you have a stuffy nose you're coughing you feel awful and yeah. that's what coronavirus does so you've got mild to moderate symptoms but the moment that you start having you know moderate to severe or severe to really you know worst case scenario this is where things can get really drastic with corona is because in that two or three days when you're kind of having these symptoms you can crash really fast and nobody understands why this is so this is something that is also very disruptive for a lot of medical doctors we don't understand why people crash so fast yeah yeah so it's even so the symptoms surprises everybody not just the person involved yeah. um medical doctors as well yeah absolutely i mean we've seen people who come in and they they look you know they're able to talk they they look like and i say well i mean you can tell that they're not that sick but you wouldn't think they were that bad until you know we do some measurements we check their oxygen levels or we listen to their chest their lungs and we're like wow this looks really bad and then within hours they crash completely it's like if their immune system is just giving up 
or the vibes are so strong it just completely floods the lungs and they just they just can't they have to be uh, uh you know um uh, in on ventilators or even resuscitated so it's a it's a it's a, one of those viruses that if it was just the flu Yes, a lot of people do die from the flu, especially elderly people. But yeah. this one, it just takes them really quickly, and there's unfortunately there's not a lot people can do at that stage. Yeah, I see. Uh, for those of you who just tuned in, uh, shout out to uh, Kafui Hanor, uh, shout out to Evans Asamoa, uh, Mami Anima, Deborah Jackson. Some of you who just tuned in, I am talking to um, Dr. Sabine Fonderson who is one of our special guests uh, who came on the show a couple of weeks ago. And uh, she's also the founder of uh, Health Platform. Let me just summarize it as that, a health platform. Yeah. Uh, hello, yeah. Doc. And um, since we are in this in this crisis, some would call, uh, I thought, you know, let have, let's have her back on the show and so that she can explain what this means for us Africans, uh, especially us Black people. What does this mean for our health? What are some of the myths, the facts, and um, the truth, the things that we should really be aware of um, in this uh, period? So um, basically, Dr. Sabine, at the beginning stage of this, which for me also was that first week of March, and then the second week of March, things got a bit more intense, or let's just say the virus got closer here in the Netherlands, and yeah. governments started to take more measures uh, against it. Uh, a lot of Black people would be were like, you know what, um, this flu is not as severe as on black people we knew the facts surrounding all people what are some of the crazy things that you've heard and some of the things that are actually not true that have been going around well i think that one of the things that i i feel unfortunately um i i, I wouldn't i want to say bad about but it's again it's not based on what i think uh at this stage but um the government in the beginning thought about herd immunity right Say yeah. that, oh, it's okay, go out, mingle with people, get the virus, get infected, because once you start forming antibodies and your right. body starts fighting, then you will be immune to it. Just like when you go, you know, every kid, well, let's say 90% of children develop chickenpox, right? So when yeah. they get into contact with other children with chickenpox, typically a week or two afterwards, they too develop chickenpox. So yeah. I think the health officials uh, led governments officials to believe that her, herd immunity would be the best thing. So what happened was that there were all these corona parties being thrown and people were getting together in parties and little, um, you know, nightclubs. And they actually Killer called them corona, yeah, corona parties. Right. Unfortunately, um, these corona parties have had devastating uh, results. And I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, corona parties uh, where people who were might not have been symptomatic at the time but were carrying the virus actually infected others and unfortunately some of these people have succumbed to the disease so it's um it's something that i think we need to be very conscious about and i know from um secondhand information not from me but from a very trustworthy source that a corona party had been held in a city of uh cameroon called douala mm -hmm. and um and i and from my to my knowledge four people in that party have now succumbed to coronavirus. So it's really wow. important that people understand that, yeah, um, you might be African, uh, you know, we're known to be very resilient, uh, yeah. very strong, but uh, this um, particular virus has no, uh, does not discriminate. And I'll give you yeah. another example. 
So um, in Brazil, Brazil is another country where I think that they, they're probably doing uh, a disservice to their people uh, because they feel, especially the, uh, the health officials or the politicians are saying that, well, Brazilians are fantastically, uh, you know, safe. There's no virus that can take us. And even so, um, you know, we, we can survive everything. So a lot of Brazilians ended up having um, festivals and, and weddings and all these social gatherings. And a few of the high profile Brazilians have actually succumbed to the coronavirus. So yeah. what I mean to say is that you might be rich and famous, you might be poor <laughs> and living in the gutter. Uh, corona does not discriminate. Um, yeah. So please um, make sure that you do uh, follow the current guidelines. And I know it's frustrating for a lot of people because it can change from, you know, from week to week. And the reason yeah. why it changes, and I, and I want to employ people to just be patient, is because we don't know that much about this virus. And it's, it's, it's you know, three weeks ago, we were hearing that it only affects old people. And yeah. now, three weeks later, we're hearing it affects young people. Um, the, the first infant uh, died of corona two weeks ago in the United States. And then uh, two days ago, yesterday, uh, the, a five-year-old child in the UK uh, unfortunately passed away from this. So when I say that this thing's serious, I, I mean it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, re the reason why I'm actually, uh, um, I was a bit laughing, um, that is because I regard this as no respecter of person, no respecter of class, position or whatever. And it goes totally against what we're normally used to, you know, yeah. well, our position in our class or our money saves us, you know, yeah. but in this case, it's just, you know, it doesn't care. And yeah. Um, now to also learn of, of that children, you know, yeah. are um, a victim of this. It's, it's really, it's heartbreaking. And for some people, Absolutely. very scary. So with these children cases, do you know, are these cases of where they had some of these um, sicknesses that you mentioned that weakens the immune system? Was there any case of that or... Very good question. So obviously, um, I don't know uh, all the details of, the, of these individual cases, but I do know for infants, um, typically an infant that's less than one year old, their immune system is going to be relatively weak, right? Yeah. Uh, they haven't built, they haven't had enough exposure to, to, to viruses, all common types of viruses for their bodies to create antibodies. And furthermore, mm -hmm. an infant of less than one year hasn't been fully vaccinated in order to get their body to actually start making these antibodies in order yeah. to um, to fight off any virus. So I think that any child who is less than one year one years old is going to be at high risk. And I think that um, health officials should start publishing that also and saying that regardless of age, especially the young and the older, are going to be risks uh, to succumbing from this virus. I think the more data we get, the more we're going to realize that this is going to affect especially the vulnerable. And typically in medicine, the vulnerable are infants and the elderly. Um, what we have seen is what we knew from the beginning, especially in cases that happened in the UK, uh, where a lot of them, like the first two weeks, the people that did succumb to the uh, disease were, and if they were young, so let's say less than 70 years old, they all had comorbidities. So they had either diabetes or they were overweight or they had pulmonary symptoms. But what we're seeing now yeah. more and more uh, reports are coming, especially from uh, places like in the United States, those who are succumbing to these diseases have no uh, prior morbidities, no prior diseases. 
So that, that scares me also. So it means that if things are shifting with this virus and it's no longer about, oh yeah, it, 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 you know, the elderly are affected and now we're looking at people with comorbidities and oh, wait a minute, actually this person who passed away, um, was 36 years old and was never sick, wait a minute. We, not, we need to really think about this as something extremely serious. Yeah, yeah. And um, from what you know, because you are coming from your work work experiences and the clients that you deal with, you're an international doctor. <laughs> yeah. And um, you probably have data on um, this crisis coming from the States, as you mentioned, the UK, France, the Netherlands, and all of these countries um, where most of us are like semi-isolated, I would say. So based on all of these different data that you have, what would you recommend somebody to do and be precautious who lives in the U.S. different from somebody who's living here? Are there any differences or is it one in the same recommendation that you would give them? I think I would give them the same recommendation, simply not to confuse people. Because at the end of the day, if I'm already saying that this virus does not discriminate, then there's no point in giving different recommendations. So everybody yeah. must follow the same um, uh, line of practice. What I would say to people right now is that um, considering things um, in different co co uh, 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 different countries. So for example, let's just talk about the Netherlands, right? In the Netherlands, um, at the moment, it seems to be that the death uh, rate and the amount of infections are not as steep as other countries. Um, that might have to do with the fact that uh, from pretty early, I would say, um, the government did switch quickly to the social isolation policy. So people were staying indoors. They were really committing to the one and a half meter distance. They were being, you know, uh, upholding hand hygiene. And if they did need to go out, it would be one person only, et cetera, et cetera. So for that, I would say maybe that's helped with containing uh, the, uh, the, the infection rate and maybe also the death rate. However, yeah. in the Netherlands, they're not doing a lot of testing. Germany, on the other hand, is doing extremely a lot of testing, and there there seems to be a quite lower death rates compared to the other countries. Now, if you mm -hmm. look in, in at England and in the United States, where the death rates, especially in the United States, is increasing rapidly, Italy, up to about a couple of days ago, let's say last week, was having a humongous uh, rates of uh, death. Spain also, and they kind of went into the lockdown about two weeks into their um, um, into their corona crisis. So mm -hmm. what I would say is that everybody should maintain the same uh, protocol, which is, uh, you know, distance, especially if you don't know the people where you're going. If you have to go to the shop, try and keep it to a minimum of one person, um, hand hygiene. And um, if you have fever and you, if you're coughing, please contact health services. But that's the reason why you should not go out. That's when you should not contact, have contact with other people outside your family member, obviously. Um, yeah. And then the, I want to talk a little bit about the symptoms. Sure. When I talk to my clients and they are worried about having corona, I say to them, okay, look, at the moment, I will look at three things that are important to me. If you have fever and anything above 38 degrees for me is a fever. If you're mm -hmm. coughing, whether it's coughing, dry cough or phlegmy cough, it doesn't matter. And yeah. the third thing, which is the most important thing, are you short of breath? Well, they say to me, well, I don't know. I feel short of breath. But when they tell me, but actually I felt short of breath, but I had, I had a nice walk around the park. 
that's not short of breath, right? Um, yeah. They tell me I feel short of breath, but I was able to walk up and down my, um, my you know, my, my stairs, or I was able to take my dog for a walk. That's not short of breath. Short of breath me. Short of breath means for you to get up from your couch to your toilet, or from your bed to the kitchen. You cannot even do that because you're really out of breath. That's when you know that things are serious. Hmm. I see. Okay. Um. So. Looking at the measures that we're taking, like washing our hands and, you know, um, staying clean, extra clean. Um, I, I heard I'm doing anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, somebody said, you know what, why are we even using hand sanitizers? Uh, it's about washing your hands. These hand sanitizers don't make any sense. Is there some truth to these these type of comments? Well, I think uh, yes and no. So washing your hands, if you're using soap, then you're fine because right. soap in itself, it has a component that breaks the cell wall of the virus, okay? And so yeah. if you're not using soap and you have the hand sanitizer, which has a certain percentage of alcohol, that would also break the cell wall of the virus and kill it. So either way, if you're washing your hands, just please just make sure you're using soap. And if mm -hmm. you're not, if you don't have soap and you use the alcohol, go ahead and use that. So it, either way it works, but you need to use this a soap or a good hand sanitizer like uh, with the appropriate amount of alcohol. <laughs> so it's, it's a good measure. And what about uh, coming home, taking off your shoes? Cause they say the virus can stick on your clothes, something like that. I don't even remember it all into the details. Uh, what yeah. about that piece of information? That's a good question. So, so imagine three weeks ago when these things we were getting news. I was going to the GP practice. I was having people cough all over me, and nobody was telling me about giving, you know, get, getting protection. Yeah. I, I've been working as a doctor for many, many years. I, I, I cannot tell you the amount of times people have sneezed on me, coughed on me, vomited on me. So it's always been something that I'm, you know, that I'm, I'm used to. So all, and right. all of a sudden, yeah. And all of a sudden I had to wear this protective gear. And I'm like, since when do I need protective gear? Yeah. I'm used to people doing all this stuff. Um, the reason is that they found out that this virus can stay on uh, surfaces, like your clothes for a few hours um, after it's, contact, it's, it's come to contact. And so what I even do, uh, especially for Hello Dog, if I do home visits for my clients, um, I put on my scrubs, right? So I wear my scrubs. And then as soon as I leave uh, my client and go home, I take off the scrubs and put it immediately in the washing uh, machine yeah. to wash. So I would advise that once you come, if you, it, it's hard, right? It's hard to say that, okay, every time you go out to the shop, you come back, you have to clean yourself. I would say where, you know, find an outfit, one outfit or two outfits that you can just get off and then put it straight into the, into the washing machine and then wear your other outfits. But once you get home, Typically, yeah. you want to get straight into the into the shower or change clothes. You really do. I see. Um, shout out to Mamiya who says, "Very interesting. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you You're also welcome. for in, uh, for engaging into the conversation." And uh, colleague Mensa Gary who says, "The world is sick right now, and everything isn't normal anymore." Um, to that, I would definitely say that's uh, that's very true. Our life is just uh, put on a hold. Uh, onto something uh, else. And for those of you who just tuned in, shout out to Patrick Owusu, 
Uh, we're talking to Dr. Sabina Fonderson, who is an expert when it comes to health. Um, and we are talking about the truth, the myths, the facts surrounding COVID-19 so that we could stay informed and stay protected all through this while. Um, so Dr. Sabine, I would also like to know, because um, here, uh, this this sort of is right past flu season, if I might call it like that. And there are also some things that I've read that the virus probably can't um, exist above the temperature of 27 degrees. However, we do see some few cases popping up in uh, on, on the continent, you know, and um, some say, you know, you just have to boil water, uh, you know, over 100 degrees and, and then just put some, what's it called, inhale some warm water and stuff like that. Um, what are some truths uh, about this? Is there any truth about this? And do you expect for this to cease if we're going into the summer where there are higher temperatures and less flu cases? Well, I, uh, again, unfortunately, we don't know that much about this virus because, you know, people have to remember this virus was only discovered in around November 2019. So the 19 yeah. comes from the fact that it was discovered in the year 2019. <laughs> it's, it's, still new, right. it's still a new virus and we don't know that much about it. So only time will tell. And that's why it's really important to keep to these. They're very harsh and they're very hard. I can, I swear, this is probably the hardest thing this generation and maybe our next generation will ever go to. And when people talk about it feels like a war, like we're fighting a war, yeah, because in yeah. war, it's it's times of uncertainty, it's times of distress, it's losing your job, losing loved ones yeah. for things that you can't explain. So when people say, okay, in the summer, the hot, the heat will, you know, will, will you know, uh, decrease the viral load. Actually, I'm scared because in the summer, that's when everybody goes out. And yeah. the springtime, summer, that's when, you know, a lot of people have allergies, they're coughing, they're sneezing. I happen right. to be a sufferer of, of allergies. So um, I don't want to be going out where there's a lot of public people because I am going to be sneezing a lot more than normal. Yes. Uh, and people and people will be looking at me funny, right? Because they're like, do you have corona? Why are you sneezing? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to be careful about that. So the summer, the, the fact that uh, the warmth is coming doesn't say much. And let's just be honest. Let's look at it realistically. Corona has hit practically every single uh, country warm cold you name it it has been affecting a lot of people yeah so nobody can tell me that the heat is going to kill it at least there's no evidence for that yeah um, yes go ahead and boil water don't drink the boiled water you can <laughs> use that water right. you can use that water for for washing or for cleaning that's always good despite of corona but um i wouldn't say that there's any truth to these myths and what i want to also mention is that um, a lot of people now are listening to the news and media and hearing things like, oh, we should go and stock up on antibiotics or we should go and stock up on uh, NSAIDs, which are anti-inflammatory medication. And even worse, people want to stock up on anti-malarial drugs. I want to mm -hmm. tell all these people who are stocking up on these things, there's no evidence that it works. Mm -hmm. And uh, by taking these medication off the market, you're also preventing people who really need it uh, from yeah. getting treatment. Um, and let's not forget that before Corona, there was other medical issues and there will still be other medical issues, uh, in spite of it. So let's remember those people who need it instead of stocking things that are not yet proven to be effective. Yeah. So a lot of them then are actually myths. 
uh, I, I, I would only hear you say about the, the hot water that for it to be partially true, you know, but as for the rest, then I would say, um, there are myths other than boosting your immune system, you know, yeah. we do normally, then there are a lot of lies going about, isn't it? They are. And the reason why, and, and I wouldn't say them as lies. I think it's, it's just, you know, insecurities when people are, are unsure about things, they, they would they tend to want to pretend they know stuff so they might hear something, use their own perception of something and then, you know, portray that as true or it's worked. And obviously if something has worked for you, you want to, you know, tell the whole world and say, hey, look what's worked for me. Yeah, and, yeah. In, and in time of insecurity, people are going to jump on that train and say, hey, this is the this is the, the formula. What I'm trying to say is that um, um, what in the medical field, where we are right now as health professionals, we are really in a place where we are really unsure. Typically, and this is this is what we've done for many years, yeah. we will only let the public know of a drug or a treatment when we know for sure it has benefits, right? right. And the public would never know about it until the tr we start trials, we start testing on, on, on animals, then we start testing on volunteers. And it's like, okay, you know what? We're happy to bring out this drug. And it will take years. It sometimes takes five six, seven, eight years before we actually bring a drug to market. And right now, we as health professionals are like, oh my goodness, we are stuck. We can't come up with a drug right now. And so everybody's rushing for this you know, miracle cure. Yeah. We need to give it time. I, I, I hate to say it, but that's just the case. And we cannot make it go faster. Because what I'm worried about this is that if you make it go faster, you start jumping into all these vaccines and producing medication, you can start making errors. All of a sudden, yeah. you're going to bring out a product out there to market because people want it. They want it now or they want it yesterday. And we haven't even tested it. And what about the detrimental effects it can have in the future? You you think about what uh, vaccinations used to be or testing of drugs in uh, poor countries in the developing world where they would yeah. go out there and test drugs on innocent, vulnerable, poor people. And yeah. the detrimental effect it had on those people for generations to come. I don't want us to go through that ever again. Yeah. So I think that we as a nation, as a world, we need to learn from our mistakes and give it time. Just stick to the protocol, stay home, keep to the hygiene. If you're sick, call a doctor. If you if you have anything else than uh, Corona, call me. I'm, I'm working Hello Doc. I'm talking to clients every day about Corona-like symptoms. I yeah. would go into your home. I would, you know, I would go there and listen to you, but you do not need to put yourself and other people in danger for no reason yeah and um so from what i understand is that um people could contact you through the through the app yeah. and then find out more whether they need more information and i also discovered that you have a free consultation right could you share yeah. a bit more about that yeah and i'm so glad to say this because again because in time of uh, uncertainty people unfortunately might make decisions or take decisions that might not be the best for them and um, yeah. with with Hello Dog, we're giving free consultations on Corona uh, for about ten minutes. And what I do is that I listen to your symptoms and I say, okay, you know what? You sound like you might have Corona, and if you do, it's mild or it's moderate or it's severe or it's worst case scenario, right? Yeah. And if I think that it's um it's 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 mild to moderate, I give you advice and then I say, okay, I'm gonna follow up with you every single day until your system until your uh, symptoms get better. But if I think it's a little bit moderate to severe, 
then I will suggest maybe me coming home to your home and I actually listen to your chest because I need a few things. I need to know your oxygen saturation. I need to know how your chest sounds like and I need to also measure your temperature. Once I get those numbers, I can make a phone call to the hospital and say, hey, listen, I think I have somebody here who has corona and then we can take the steps further. And the only reasons why I'm doing that is for those people who can access their GPs or who've been trying to get their GPs, but the phone is being off or they've been told to wait maybe a day or two. The phone was off. There's some people who've tried to access their GPs, but their GP is sick or they've closed the practice. Um, You need to understand that because of corona, a lot of GPs now Um, unable to see patients at their practice. And if they can't see patients, well, they might end up working somewhere else with another GP. So it's been been quite detrimental for a lot of people. Wow, that is very interesting. So I would assume that you, when you come and visit them, you're also um, having the whole gear on and things because you have to protect yourself as well, right? I do. And the reason why I would come to, I, that's why we do a video consultation beforehand uh, yeah. because the video consultation helps me when I see my client, I said, okay, this is somebody who's really sick, right? When my, uh, my years of experience in the A&E has helped me or the emergency department has yeah. helped me to assess somebody who's really sick. Um, yeah. So when I see them on video and if I'm talking to them and they're able to talk in full sentences, they're not mm-hmm. gasping for air. Uh, they don't look uh, too unwell, I can get yeah. them advice and then I can say, okay, you know what? Um, I don't need to come to you now. But um, I've been to a few play- uh, clients where I actually put on protective gear. Um, and unfortunately, we don't even have access to that. So a lot of the stuff that I buy is from like, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, um, hardware stores. And I get stuff like the masks that people usually uh, use when they're painting their homes because um, health right. professionals don't even have access to the gear anymore, unfortunately, because oh. um, people have just, um, yeah, stocked on them and they're selling them now for ridiculous prices. And I'm thinking... Yeah. In a crisis like this, why would you want to make profit of people's lives? I think it's something that um, it's quite it's quite heartbreaking. Yeah. So that's why I'm giving the 10 minute free consultation, because um, in just to be very clear, the majority of people who who have Corona like symptoms are really mild. I just want people to know that the majority of people um, do not get worst case scenario. Up up until the worst case scenario actually happens up until worst case scenario happens and typically if worst case scenario happens so let's just go through the journey so let's say you have today miss abba you get yeah. contra- you get um a coronavirus right god um, forbid <laughs> yeah god forbid you will not get it but let's say you did yeah. so what would happen is that you might develop flu-like symptoms you might have throat ache you might feel body chills you might feel body weakness tiredness uh maybe even a cough now, when it becomes really interesting for healthcare professionals is when you start to develop fever. At this stage, the, the protocol is that even if you have fever, stay home. That's what they're saying. Yeah. If you're having fever and you're coughing, stay home, take paracetamol, get some, you know, lo- tender loving care, take care of yourself, get, um, get uh, you know, eat well, hydrate well. Now, it becomes critical for corona when your body starts to say, I'm fighting this thing, but I'm not yet there. And your fever persists, and then you start developing breathlessness. It means that your the virus has gone into your lungs and it's created a very, very heavy reaction. And now fluid has come into your lungs and you are not able to breathe properly. So lying flat on a bed, on a sofa is completely impossible. You're gasping for air. 
that my dear is worst case scenario that's when you need to be in the hospital yeah it sounds pretty serious it sounds like a silent killer and uh, it is and a lot of people um the reason why it's a very serious disease for a lot of healthcare professionals is that typically you know hospitals are busy all the time right people go in people go out um so you're sick you go to the hospital you spend a few days there or not and you leave but corona has caused hospital to be stocked to be completely blocked so in one go it's a rush of people and unfortunately when you're ventilated you know typically you're not ventilated for a day or two you're ventilated for a week and with the corona people are ventilated for you know more than a week two weeks and that's what makes it really hard to shift the patient and yeah. i've heard um doctors in america actually sending people home on oxygen and i and i predict that um uh, you know that's going to be the future where people if you can manage oxygen at home that's where you're going to be and then it will be monitored from there Oh, that sounds intense. It is. <laughs> it's really intense. Really and I want much. people to just really take this as seriously as possible. Take care of yourself. And uh, also know that um, if you have symptoms that sound like corona, it most likely is, but it doesn't mean that you're all going to end up in worst case scenario. We just have to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, for those of you who just tuned in, uh, shout out to Nana Kwesi. Uh, who says, hi, Miss Abba and the team. God bless you for your good work. Shout out to you as well. Uh, we're just taking in the last couple of minutes as we talk to Dr. Sabine around surrounding this COVID-19 so that we just get some clarity, you know, as to how serious this is. We can protect ourselves, right, and our family and get through this, you know, stronger, the better. And uh, also Mensa Gary, who is asking, my question for doctor is, so when will we get back to our normal way of living? <laughs> I say that it will probably be, won't be a normal way of living um, after this, but hey, that's my observation. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you, Miss Abba. I mean, what, let me just say that we as human beings, we have to give a credit to ourselves for being so adaptable, Okay. I mean, we are so used to certain pattern. You wake up in the morning, go to your office, go to work, come back home. And all of a sudden, like you can't come to work anymore. Okay, so you go home and then all of a sudden you're online, you know, on Zoom meetings, on meetings. Yeah. And you're doing stuff online. And I'm thinking people have adapted to this. And I'm thinking if we can get through this, we can get through a lot more. We can get yeah. through even a lot worse. So the question was, when are we going to get back to our normal way of living? And like you rightly said, so our normal way of living as it was is over. We have now shifted into a new era. We've shifted into a new way of doing things. We've shifted in a way that we're now, you know, focusing on family life. This is amazing. Let's just be, let's just focus on this now. You're now at home most of the time. Yeah. Kids are around you. You are now much more aware of what your kids are doing than you ever were before when they were in school. <laughs> You're now much more aware of what your husband, your wife, your partner is doing at work because you guys are talking about it. I think this has shifted our way of living in the sense that whilst we were using mobile technology to keep in contact, we're now using mobile technology to keep in contact in a much more serious and much more intimate way because yeah. now we're much more closer to each other. Look at the way that people have been uh, boosting each other's energy and efforts by clapping on balconies, you know, yeah. singing songs and making sure that we are staying uh, motivated. This is a new normal now. The mm -hmm. new normal is that we're looking out for each other. 
we are taking care of that neighbor oh yeah the one that's uh, alone downstairs let's just you know even though we can't see them let's give them you know let's put like a little uh package of food at their doorstep you know let's send that other neighbor who's living down the street a package just to say hey i'm thinking about you normal way of living now is about thinking of each other and we weren't doing enough of that before we were way too busy getting on the bus getting on the train going to work etc getting to the bag <laughs> getting to the bag getting that money in and of course that a lot of people have lost their jobs and i hate it i hate yeah. the fact that this has really destroyed the economy it's destroyed people's way of living uh, but we will get through this if we just make that mindset that shift that using mobile technology to bring us together instead of mobile technology to bring us further apart that's yeah. the mind shift we need and that's what hello dog does i'm using the mobile technology now to make sure that people get the medical attention they need despite corona or in spite of because yes gps are completely um overwhelmed um emergency departments are overwhelmed but i'm still here we're still here to listen to your complaints because we want to let you know that that tummy ache that you had before corona is still going to be there when corona strikes right yeah. and you still want to be able to make sure that you get the health uh, care that you need and the attention that you need but now we're doing it in a much more intimate way absolutely yeah so you as a doctor you know uh you know how people are you know how these circumstances have reached people to come have you noticed any other symptoms as like stress levels or other things that have been going spiral as well have you noticed yeah. any of that yeah um, uh, one of the things that scares me like i said already is that we are going to focus too much on corona we should focus on corona i'm not saying we shouldn't but we should not forget that other things also matter um i um you know the the last um, question was are we going to get back to the normal way of life again for healthcare professionals there's going to be a huge pile of work to do once things get back to normal because yeah. we are now putting a lot of our stress a lot of our complaints on the side because everybody's focused about corona Oh no, I don't want to call that GP because the GP said don't call me unless it's corona or you, unless yeah. you know you you're pretty much dying. Um, yeah. Hospitals are blocked. They're telling you go home. Don't come here. So I'm afraid that we're going to see a um, secondary or preventable things that could have well diseases that could be prevented or health issues that can be prevented because of lack of treatment and lack of attention. Um, and and it's really piling up. Think think about mental health issues. Yeah. And now there used to be a waiting list of about eight months to a year. I fear that it's going to take longer for people to get seen for mental health issues, and that's a huge worry for me. Um, mm -hmm. I believe there's going to be an increase in um, home-related injuries for uh, children and for even vulnerable women. Um, I'm, although I did say that you know being at home and being with your partner is a good thing to get close. Unfortunately, there are still relationships where husbands and wives don't get along very well and the fact that they are in the same room 24/7 can lead to a lot more frustration and conflicts and children will end up being uh the victims of that so um i see that at the practice just last week uh, i'll tell you a little anecdote a man in his um uh late 60s came and he said that he had about a very slight episode of feeling a little bit dizzy at 12 in the afternoon it was quite interesting how you remember the time <laughs> and um, it only happened very slightly, but he felt much better. But he just wanted to come to the to the GP practice and have his blood pressure measured because you know you never know what it is. So we've slot we fitted him because he you know he had risk factors. So he came in, and I talked to him, 
And I said to him, so what's going on? And he gave me this long story. But it turns out that he's actually a little bit worried because um, he's concerned that if he gets corona, what's going to happen to his girlfriend who's in her 80s at home? So I thought his partner, his girlfriend, was um, suffering from a terminal illness. Yeah. He was just about to die. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, you must be really worried about her because she must be suffering from this disease. He's like, no, she's perfectly healthy. I'm like, well, this, what's the what's problem? Your problem? And, he's, and then he's like, well, you know, sometimes during, you know, relationships, there's all these problems that occur. And I'm like, aha. So this guy is uh... stuck with his girlfriend for two, three weeks. And now uh... things are <laughs> things are pointing up and he wants somebody to talk to about. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've become this like this <laughs> therapist. Yeah, so GPs, yeah, GPs will have to be more. They're already multitasking. We're going to be double multitasking. We're going to yeah. be listening to a lot of different issues. And I think that this um, this situation we're in is going to actually um, open up a whole different world of, of oh. illnesses and ways that we handle illnesses. And the yeah. last thing I want to just uh, touch upon is that I think I'm hoping that this will also open the world to the fact that as human beings, as patients, we can actually monitor our health even better. And we can monitor our health even better from a distance and just inform our GPs when things are getting out of hand. And I'm hoping that this will be a new uh, journey to allowing electronics and gadgets that we use to monitor our health to help communicate between doctors and patients. And I'm talking about things like just the thermometer or blood pressure measurement or a saturation uh, meter. Have those things at home because it's going to help you empower your health and say, okay, you know, today's a good day because I'm actually, although I don't feel that well, I've measured my blood pressure, I've measured my temperature, I've measured my oxygen levels, and they're all good. So this might not be as bad as it is, and I don't need to have to go all the way to the GP for that. So I'm hoping that this will lead us to a different mindset in the way we handle our bodies and how we monitor Uh, vital signs most definitely definitely and i i hope it will also help us to uh to appreciate each other a bit a bit more even though we're isolated like we're on each other's breathing on each other's necks indoors literally yeah we should be breathing more and we should appreciate each other more you know even though we're at home and we should be distancing ourselves from people that we don't know but when you're home tell your loved ones you love them make sure you give them a hug and a kiss because, you know, this virus, we don't know where it's going to go. Um, yeah. You know, talk about what's going on. Even if you can't talk about it, I know I, I'm not a very good talker when it comes to these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Write it down. Um, express your feelings better. Uh, learn to be more receptive of other people's uh, ways of life and, and, and embracing. Yeah. And I think, I, I believe that this, this is a new era for the a change and we're seeing it in all types of ways i'm looking at parents jogging outside with their children i never saw that before and i yeah. think people are getting together in good ways they're more conscious about their health um so they're positive things to draw from this but please um keep to the distance uh, if you're sick and you don't feel well let somebody know don't just say oh i can't talk to a doctor that's what hello doc is here for let yeah. us know and we'll try and help you sort it out. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, it kind of gives us kind of hope that there is somebody who's willing to listen to us and uh, <laughs> learn what, what we're going through both in, in our minds and uh, in our body. Um, so last, before we uh, round up, could you share with our listeners um, about Hello Doc, how people can access it 
especially during the this time and yeah. you know where they can find you and what type of questions or complaints relating to this topic within their bodies whatever is going on could they come to you with could you share a bit about that Sure. So we are based in, in the Netherlands, obviously. So they can go to www.hellodoc.nl. Um, the website in itself is just informative. If you click on yeah. sign up, it will take you to the platform where you create an account. And once you create an account, you are going to go through a journey. Um, I have an amazing team and they are there 24-7 to listen to what's going on. And basically what happens is that depending on your complaints, they are uh, my team of um, um, uh, let's say um, they, they triage the complaints and then they link you to the best doctor for you and not only the one that speaks your language but also the ones um, that is available when you're, you're ready so we're very much um, a team a strong team of five uh, people and we are there and we're growing so we're growing our team because the demand is also growing um, we basically want to be there for those who don't have a GP yet. And if you don't have a GP or you can't get registered to a GP, we help yeah. you get that registration done. So we look around your, where you live and we, we monitor closely GPs that are taking new registrations. So once they've, uh, they say, okay, we're open for new patients, we, get, we give you their number so that you can call and get registered. But we know that for a lot of expats and foreign students, who are coming to the Netherlands, it's pretty hard now to get a GP. So we want to just offer that temporary care that, you know, bridge that gap and get you the medication that you need for the temporary moment or the, um, the referrals that you need or just the care and attention. That's what we're good at. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, and you can contact us anytime throughout the day. We are always around and you'll get a welcome message and then you'll be linked to a doctor in no time. The yeah. services at the moment are paid um, and you know a lot more information about that is on our website. But for corona-like uh, questions or symptoms, you can get a free consultation. So that's, uh, that's something that we want to give out there to contribute yeah. to this very uncertain time. Yeah, very, very, um, very relevant for this time. So that free consultation, how does that go? Does, does one have to sign up as well before you yeah. get to the consultation? Could you give us a bit of logistics, logistical information about that? Yeah. So the, again, you, you, if you sign up for the consultation, um, there's always links available on these different social media platform, but basically yeah. um, uh, you will need to register on our platform, create an account because everything's done through a, a secure platform um, yeah. with end-to-end -end encryption because obviously the privacy issues. So we maintain that um, uh, those guidelines, let's say. So once you've signed up, you can then uh, access our calendar, the Corona consultation calendar, and then click yeah. on the first one available for you. And then I'll be online or one of my other doctors online and we'll just take your call, we'll listen to you. And then yeah. we always, for every single video consultation, we always provide all our clients with a summary. Mm -hmm. And that summary has a detailed account of what we talked about. And it also suggests uh, tips and recommendations. And um, if you don't have a GP, we will also offer you two or three GPs in your neighborhood where we've been monitoring whether or not they're accepting patients. And then we can give those details to you so that you do apply with a, with a GP. 
Great. Excellent. Um, so also what we want to know, we know where to follow you. I shared also the link for those of you listening on Facebook, uh, hello doc, how you can access it. Um, also getting your free consultation, uh, very relevant for this time. Um, could you, in the last like minute share your piece of advice for people to do how to act going through this and um, the the actual advice that is legitimate, strong, truthful, uh, that could help people on their way during this period. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, just make sure. 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 Yeah. Sorry, technology. <laughs> I know it needs a battery okay. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> well, the last piece of advice I want to give to everybody is to. Um, <laughs> as well. No um, first of all, to um, I want to say stay calm, but I I don't think that's the right word because everybody is being pretty calm. So I'm glad about that. What I want yeah. to tell people is that whatever you see on 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 social media, just ask yourself, you know, is that a relevant source? Where's that coming from? Mm -hmm. Simply because there's a lot of stuff going on out there, and we want people to be on the same page when it comes to this because the more on the same page we are, the best it is for health professionals to do their jobs. Um, and, um, and, and to also for politicians to be able to access the right resources in order to help people. Um, the last thing I want people to know is that we are going to get through this, right? It's, yeah. uh, there's no other way I can, I can confirm this. We're going to get through this. It yeah. might take a few months. It might take, um, even worst case scenario, it takes a year. After that year, how wonderful would it be to say, ha we got through this, you know, we can actually breathe again. We can actually live in a world that's, that where the air is fresh, where the sea is blue again, oh, yeah. where <laughs> nature is thriving. Mm -hmm. That's what this is also going to be an eye opener for. Okay. Medical issues will always persist. You're important to us because obviously we're doctors and we want to help you. But more importantly, we want to help you maintain a good balance with your mind, with your health, and with your physique. Yeah. So for us to be able to achieve that goal, we all need to be on the same page. And that same page means reliable sources, following mm -hmm. the advice, and keeping our head calm. Okay, that's the only thing I can say to you right now. And that's why Hello Doc is here because I want you guys to know that I'm here to listen to you guys. I'm here to make sure that you guys are safe, you guys are, uh, are happy, uh, are enjoying yourself. It's a very uncertain time, mm -hmm. but it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, on that note, I'm I'm taking it to heart. Um yeah. Since that comes from a from a doctor, <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not at all saying that all the people who've lost loved ones, we're not respecting yeah. them. I believe that there are victims of an unfortunate situation. There are yeah. heroes who have uh, lost their lives to fighting this uh, coronavirus, oh. and they're yeah. always in my thoughts. But for the remaining of us, we need, for the sake of those that have unfortunately passed away, we need to do things differently in order yeah. for us and the next generation to be able to you know have fulfillment from this yeah. again look at what's happening around us we need to be to you know we have to work together on this one we can't do it on our own yeah absolutely and uh also i have to take in a distance uh i think this also excludes for the ladies uh, our nail imp uh, appointments we really have to cancel <laughs> yeah look at my hair i still need to get my hair done <laughs> you know? so, some of us yeah. are suffering in 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 different ways 
And yeah. um, uh, I guess I, I guess it's also like for beauty things, right? You also yeah. don't recommend for people to do it secretly and, you know. Um. No, it's really not <laughs> worth it. I mean, at the end of the day, I understand that you want to go into somebody's, you know, house. And, of course, you want to make um, money, obviously. Yeah? You want to keep your business up. Yeah. And you want to look good. Absolutely. I, I hear all that. I understand all that. Yeah, um, maybe it's an, it's a topic for another time. Okay, if you really want to go, <laughs> what can you do to stay safe? Right, I'm be I'm be more than happy to share yeah. some tips about the moments like women who have to who want to get their hair done, want to have their nails done, and yeah. it is gonna happen. There's gonna be some underground things going on, <laughs> some, some, some stuff happening at ten o'clock in somebody's backyard. I get that, right? But then let's talk about doing it safe. Nobody's saying right. don't do it. Um, in the sense that you're is against the law, but if you're gonna do it, just just to be be conscious of what you're doing. And if somebody's literally saying to you, "I can see you right now, but I'm having a bit of a fever and I'm coughing," mm, you know, maybe then you should be like, "Okay, I'll I'll let my nails wait another week or two." Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And with that said, uh, Doctor Sabine, I so much want to thank you for your for uh, your time. Thank you. I know it's uh, it's busy on uh, your end. You are having to go through another busy week, and, uh, <laughs> oh, just making some time out to talk to uh, a bit of our uh, yeah our facts uh, concerning this uh, COVID nineteen is really there to make sure that we ensure that we are safe. Uh, yeah. For myself, having somebody that I know uh, recently passed away off of it, I'm really like on this as in like hey. Uh, let's take the needed measures for it and let's make sure that we get through this, you know, well. Yeah. And, and, again, um, and I'm really sorry about your loss. And I know that yeah. one of the things that I'm realizing more and more is that we're going to find out a lot more of people that we know yeah. directly and indirectly are going to be affected by this um, because it's a serious thing. It really is. Um, but despite of the seriousness, um, put them close to your heart. Make sure that you are... Uh, you know, uh, are doing what's right for you and your children and your family. Um, and, and we'll be fine. I promise you, we just have yeah. to stick together and still talk about your medical issues. Do not let it wait. Um, uh, and that's, again, some of the things that we're very good at doing. Hello, Doc. Those uh, yeah. medical issues that, um, need some treatments. We're happy to take care of those. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. And also shout out on the last one to Elton um, Mujazvivi, who says, so ha happy to see Dr. Sabine on your show. So uh, that's a fan, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> he's got how many class one two three yeah he's a big he's a big fan <laughs> he's a big fan um again thanks so much for informing us thank Anytime. you um and uh hopefully when something else happens i will touch base with you and yeah. see if we can steal some of your time you know to get some expertise on um uh, some of this. anytime that's really what i'm here for i mean yeah. anytime miss abba you have excellent. me uh, any call two o'clock in the morning i'm right here <laughs> <laughs> excellent thanks okay. again for joining us have a good evening and we'll we'll keep in touch uh this week and yeah. uh, uh a big god bless to you, <laughs> you too miss abba take care okay and, uh, stay safe and uh my uh, regards to your friends and family definitely that's for sure Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. <laughs> and um, thank, thank you to all of you who just tuned in to, to listen. 
uh, Kimo Kamara, who just joined and who said, you know what, good conversation. Thank you for sharing those good information. And thank you for linking us because uh, Dr. Sabine is a contact, contact that I discovered at uh, uh, my OMEC event. Um, you just listened to Africa on Focus right from, um, <laughs> right from, my, from my living room. And um, I can't play the music as I normally do, but um, hopefully next week I'll be back with another expert. We're working on that and talk about some of the facts, some of the knowledge, some of the things that we really should know in this time. Uh, very big God bless to all of you. Make sure that you stay safe, you know, stay isolated um, on a positive note. And, you know, make sure that you don't become fearful and do things out of panic. That is also very important. Uh, feel free to share this show on your timeline, uh, wherever that you are. And uh, also make sure that you spread the word. Um, look out for Africa on Focus, the podcast, because there is where we um, broadcast the recaps of the conversation that we had. I am Miss Abba. I'll be back with you next week. Uh, stay safe. Make sure that you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, which is Miss Abba, M-S dot A-B-A. On Twitter as well, this is uh, Miss Abba. And engage with us in conversations uh, regarding our health, regarding our community, and regarding uh, empowering one another. Uh, have a good week and, um, you know, stay safe. Love and light. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Africa on Focus. We air live every Sunday on High Radio from 7 p.m. Amsterdam time. Join the Africa on Focus platform on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Africa on Focus or visit www.africaonfocus.com. And follow me on all your social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Miss Abba. Shout out to High Radio and Q Vibe for the jingle. <laughs>